We are geek-centric, and you can be too. What is up, geeks? We are back. Welcome to the Geek-Centric Podcast. My name is Kevin, and in today's episode, we discuss whether movie theaters will survive in a world of streaming services. And speaking of streaming services, we'll look at how one such service is stepping up in response to the powerful Black Lives Matter movement. And then for our topic of the show, we attempt to redeem our film geek cred by sharing our opinions, having finally watched several movies we were terribly embarrassed to have never seen. But first, if you're joining us for the first time, this is a weekly show covering the world of film, television, gaming, toys, and collectibles, and all things geek-centric. Joining me on the show, we have the jovial jokester himself, J-Law. Ooh, jovial. That's like the second time I've heard that yeah, name I th- this, I think in this podcast. I think we're running out of <laughs> words. We might have to switch up the intro <laughs> yeah, pattern. For sure. just a li- well, yeah, just a little bit. But yes, I, I, I would say that I'm very jovial. I think we're yeah. all a bit jovial. We're, we're back and excited to do it. So it, it yes, definitely absolutely. fits. Uh, mm-hmm. And then on his right, or at least on my right of the screen here, we've got the naturally neat and nifty Nate. Oh, I don't know about neat if you look at my hair right now. <laughs> I, I, think, bit... I think it's more neat, like, you know, nifty, cool, you're, you know. Huh. Yeah. I would Otherwise, you're that. an absolute mess, bud. You're a yeah. mess. <laughs> <laughs> you, got that, you got that mad COVID growth going on with the hair, Dude, don't we all? Just... Ooh, I'm chomping at the bit to, uh, to get this episode started, so why don't we sure. jump right in? Uh, you know, we've been off for a few weeks. Uh, in response to the protests going on around the globe, uh, we thought we'd refrain from posting any content in an effort to show solidarity with the movement uh, and to allow both ourselves and our listeners and followers uh, a chance to focus on things that are, I mean, in all honesty, clearly more important than our views on movie and pop culture. Uh, but we are back yeah. and ready to take a quick break from reality of the outside world to geek out a bit and hang out with each other. Uh, And so I'm guessing we all probably want to take a break from having things like CNN on in the background. Um, And uh, so I'm sure we all had a chance to uh, watch, play, whatever, uh, you know, quite a bit of new content over the last two weeks. So let's discuss. Uh, Justin, we'll start with you. What you been up to, pal? I was going to throw it to Nate first. Okay. I want to hear what Nate's been up to okay. first. Oh, yeah, sounds... yeah we'll, we'll, we'll start with the longest list and, and wean our way down. That <laughs> oh, sounds good. I, I think you'll be surprised this week, bro. Oh, I think you'll be oh, surprised. I've got, I've got a list. i got a well, list. So, yeah, I'll, I would just say right now, if you're listening to this, you know, settle in, get comfortable, and uh, and prepare for all three of our watches. Because, you know, anytime we take some time away, it's we, you know, we, we soak in a ton of content. Um yeah, so I'll, I'll start with probably the less important things that I watched. Um, I I actually dived into Modern Family. Um, nice. I dived in hard onto Modern Family. Um, I'm in, I think, season five, halfway through season five. And, oh my gosh, I've, I don't think I've watched any show that has made me laugh out loud as many times and cry 
as many times in the same episode, and they always they always hit you with that that sort of monologue that they do at the end of almost every single episode. Oh they yeah, always, yeah. Especially right? Jays. Jays are always the most like oh. profound and and yeah, for sure. Because well, especially because that character he does he's so he's known for not opening up. So getting to hear him be sensitive is just it gives me chills it's honestly it's it's i love it i love it so much um i would say phil dunphy and cam are probably my my favorite characters on the show phil is 100 percent my mvp oh, he's, yeah. he's so i say good. cam cam is awesome right cam, he's so good the the craziest thing with cam like he based that character off of his mom and yeah. uh and just to see like his mannerisms and even just like even down to subtle like face twitches that he does like he's 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 unbelievable so uh yeah i've really been digging modern family and if you haven't watched that show yet watch it all it's on netflix it's great um so i i also caught the mythic quest quarantine episode did you guys see this yet no i haven't been watching that one yet it's on my to-do list so this episode it's it 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 does such a good job at being a one-off episode to the point where Kevin I would feel comfortable letting you watch this episode and you know this one episode will give you a a sense and a feeling of what the entire show is and how all the characters interact like it it does such a good job in its normal runtime of of capturing the essence of each character and frames it all around corona and 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 the the pandemic that's going on it's honestly it's it might be one of the best sort of one-off episodes that i've ever watched wow um it's it's you know i don't want to topic it up too much but like for when you see it there's a moment in it with a character named poppy i'm not going to say what the moment is but it just hit me so hard and i think it hits anyone who's well everyone right now in the world um it's really really good got to watch it um and then i also Started watching, I'm not caught up yet, but I started watching Snowpiercer. Did you guys get into it at all on Netflix? Yes, that was one I was going to definitely bring up. I watched the uh, first first two episodes so far. Cool. Because they, awesome. they posted the first two and then switched to, uh, at the same time, and then switched to weekly, right? Yes. So yeah, that's, they did the, that's, that's mm-hmm. how they've sort of lost me in the meantime. So I watched those yeah. first two and then kind of almost forgot about it. But we'll go back yeah. and, and watch. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think... I think it uh, the cool thing about the show, and I'll 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 leave what I was going to say until you till you bring it up. But I think the cool thing that I just like about it is the show it, it afford it being a television show affords it the ability to go deeper into some of the more like outrageous fictional aspects of the concept of the actual film. So where the film is kind of constrained and sort of saying like, well, no, we can't explain that. We can't explain that. We can't explain that. That's just, just believe it. I know it's kooky, but just believe it. The show gets to dive deeper into those aspects. And I'm honestly, I'm digging it more than I, I like the movie so far. Um, wow, I, I, wow. I want it like, I know that's strong. I want to, I want to wait until the full season to really see what I think. But so far from what I've watched, um, yeah, dude, it's, it's super good. Uh, I think going into it, my biggest question was how are they going to take an hour and a half long movie and turn it into a TV show? And so I think that the element, I mean, I don't know how much we want to give away, and I really don't think it's a spoiler, but sort of adding that uh, procedural aspect to the main character's story, you know, within the larger story of the train itself. And I think that's a brilliant way to sort of stretch out this story. And I can see now how it can be a TV show and, and last you know, at least a season or two in terms of, 
you know, again, growing the story of the people on the train. Oh, I was just going to say they have to pull off something pretty unbelievable at the end of the first or second season before I would believe that they could do more than two. Right, right. You know? Uh, I just think you mentioned how you, you, you like the idea that you get to explore more aspects of the train and, and sort of get more questions answered. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a strength, but it's also maybe kind of works against them in some regards. I mean, why are those people on the back of the train to begin with? Why have they allowed them to be there? And, you know, yeah. like they just seem like they're a nuisance and only hindering the, the rich people in the upper classes. Right. So mm-hmm. that was, but, they didn't have time to explore that idea. You just know sure. there were people in the back of the train in the movie. Right. Yeah. And why they're there and allowed to be there is just not really explored. Whereas in the show, it's just a question I have, you know, well, you I see them get on. I, why didn't they yeah. just kill them and, and go? It's it's that class structure. There is always there always needs to be someone at the bottom that they need to reap the benefits from. Yeah, and you know, uh, in many cases, you're right. They they are appear they appear as a, some uh, as a nuisance, but they're serving a purpose for these these people. I I, I agree. Like I think that it's going to be explored more in the show. I haven't seen it yet, um, but I I do think that that's something that could definitely go deeper uh, as as a you know underlining why they're there. But I would definitely say so far, so good. Uh, like, I'm into it. Want to see where it goes. And uh, nice little twist at the end of the first episode. Yeah, man. Super great. Yeah. What else have you uh, been up to? Yeah. Uh, well, so those those are kind of some of the, the shows and things that I, I, uh, I watched and sort of caught up on. Um, and then, of course, you know, like you said at the top of the episode, Kevin, we took a week off um, so that not only could we you know, ensure that people weren't listening to us gab on about, you know, Modern Family and Snowpiercer, um, but but that they could they could listen to voices that actually matter uh, and have mattered for so long, but just we haven't really listened. Um, and so for me, I've kind of gotten into this mindset of I don't have an opinion. I, I can't have an opinion. I just I, I there's I'm a, you know, white male single you know only child so it's like I, d- I don't have an opinion when it comes to to the experiences that black people face um but i i know that because we have even a small group of people that are listening to us and i thank you so much listeners for listening to us uh, hopefully every week um and and we've got our our youtube platform and, and we've got our instagram and you know, we just we have eyes that are willing to look our direction, and so I've kind of just taken the stance. And Justin and I were, you know, we were talking about this that our biggest focus is to point people to the resources that maybe we've been made aware of, um, and so we're going to kind of touch upon that a little bit later on in the in the show as well. Um, but for for some of the important things that I watched to kind of educate myself, um, I watched uh, when they see us. Um, and this is this is actually a, a, a docuseries film. It's a four part. I say it's a film. I don't think it's a show, um, even though it's cal- it's shown as a show. But it's four four episodes essentially um, about the uh, the the wolf pack, the the five teens, the the Central Park Five is what they're they're referred to as. And uh, and you know these were five teenagers from Harlem that were just put into jail, falsely accused um, for, for an attack in Central Park. And this is all based on a true story. And when I, when I started watching it, I, I sort of, it's hard to watch and being uncomfortable is something that we, we absolutely have to 
have to do to to understand even a, a little bit what's 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 been going on but this uh this movie it's so powerful it's it's so incredible and i think the thing that hit me the hardest was that i've never heard of any any of this information like and not not just to the point where it's like i'm i'm not studied on politics or i'm not studied i've just never you know i've never i didn't this was not a story a news story that came into my being or my or in my circles um at all so watching this and realizing that it's it's absolutely a true story and that it happens over and over and over and over again since um and you just have to watch it everyone i think should watch it one thing i will say from like a film perspective is the acting is unbelievable by both casts um you've got a younger cast and then an older cast because they kind of they show them when they're kids and they, they're falsely accused and arrested. Uh, and then they show them when they're older and when they're actually out of jail. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. You got to watch it. I, I think, I think watching uh, things like this, uh, especially if they're difficult and especially if they're, they're hard to watch because of the brutal, honest truth of them is important. You know, we're not, um, we're not black and so, and we're, 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 you know, two of us are, are white and we're males and we're heterosexual. And so, with a lot of these struggles that are going on in the world that were try that are trying to be brought to the forefront and trying to be given attention, while we might not have a voice in terms of being able to relate to those things, we certainly have a role, and that's to educate ourselves and learn as much as we can about these issues so that we can know, you know, why they're important and why they need to be changed and why they need to be addressed. And and I think the last two weeks has really opened up a lot of people's eyes to that fact that there are so many injustices going on in the world that we need to give proper attention and and to to really come together as as you know a, a single race the human race and and really try to change and so the 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 least we can do is is sort of educate ourselves on these things and and I think we'll talk a bit more about that uh in the news even yes yeah absolutely and um yeah, and I, I also caught uh, Just Mercy. Um, I watched it uh, um, on on Cineplex, and it honestly is... The the acting in that film is unbelievable. I mean, you've got Jamie Foxx, you've got Michael B. Jordan. Um, it's... And I, I even... I really dug Brie Larson in it as well. I know some people are not the biggest Brie Larson fans, but... Uh, but I think I think that movie, again, just sort of captured a story and a, and a moment. And I think if there's any movie that I think you should share with your family, because I know a lot of people are having a hard time talking to their families about this. A lot of white folks um, watch Just Mercy with them. I think it's I think it it's a it's an extremely um, powerful way to kind of get across what has been happening. Um, and it's 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 honestly it's really good. Have you guys seen Have you guys seen either When They See Us or Just Mercy? Uh, I can't say that I have. I've seen uh, When They See Us. I saw yeah. that. Uh, I think I mentioned it on a podcast, uh, one of our podcast recordings, a while back. But I'd seen it last year. Um, it it showed up on on my feed, and I was intrigued by it. Um, yeah, the first episode was probably the hardest episode to watch, just because of how uh how the whole situation goes down and and mm -hmm. basically these kids being in the wrong place at the wrong time and the perception versus reality um it, it's just it's it's a it's a hard watch but it's a very enlightening watch mm -hmm. uh something that does shed a little bit more light on on what is currently going on in the world 
Yeah, and I think I think that's you know, it just got to the point where watching Instagram videos of of the violence, um, I was just getting too sad, and I, I I found that I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't doing anything uh, to to you know either talk to my friends or my family about it. I wasn't I wasn't um, you know trying to spread resources online, and and I I, I wasn't you know taking any sort of stance in regards to donating so i i sort of said well you know what i'm not going to watch any more of these violent videos i'm going to educate myself i'm going to watch some movies and uh and and educate myself that way and and tell my friends about them uh, and that's exactly what we're doing here so justin whatcha yeah um whatcha so i guess kind of like yourself i had a bit of a educational process as well uh over the last uh, week uh but before we got into all of that uh, i did finish the office finally nice. um last two seasons were okay there's some great moments with uh, robert california uh, but <laughs> i do think like the, the 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 anchor does shift to jim dwight and pam like you know and and their relationship their friendship and everyone in the office in general like everyone has their their little moments um so it, it was it was okay, but it did feel very empty without Michael Scott, and he was a huge anchor, and it was hard to watch him go, and you know laughable moments uh, throughout, and it was great to see him come back for the finale. Uh, I do think what was very interesting though is that he had very few lines, so he was definitely contractually obligated to make an appearance and uh, not say much. I think it was more he was letting he had his goodbye, he had his moment. Sure. Seeing him one last time was for the fans, and it was special, but he let the the yeah. main characters who were left sort of have the spotlight it, right yeah it is surprising though that he also wasn't like kind of involved in their whole like the like the documentary premiere and stuff like that of uh, you know well i mean even think even holly that. didn't come back with him yeah, right yeah, he yeah, came yeah, in yeah, yeah. to 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 help to you to know do to, yeah. to do his thing for dwight his best friend and and let yep. everybody else have their moment so yeah. i thought that yeah. i thought they handled that well i, I also watched uh, the last dance michael jordan uh, biopic uh, it was fantastic. Um, I I think you said it, Kevin. You're you're not a huge basketball fan. Uh, I'm not a huge ba- I like I'm not a huge basketball fan uh, either. I am a Jordan fan, and I did you know grow up in that time, and my uncles were really big Jordan fans, so I remember uh, them getting all hyped up for for games and stuff like that. So it was cool to kind of like do a do a time travel with uh, with this whole doc series and like go back to the 90s and see some of the the fashion and the music as well uh, music is obviously a huge part of that time frame uh, but also uh, you know just to see Jordan and how uh, he's competitive you know like they there's this whole piece and I don't know if it's a spoiler or whatever but it did happen in real life but a lot of people saying oh does he have a gambling problem does he have a gambling problem and he's like no i don't have a gambling problem i I have a competitive problem i'm competitive i'm you know and that does show in this documentary that he was Mm. super competitive looked at everything as a challenge and wanted to be the best and and at the top and more or less he succeeded minus baseball i guess i (laughs) know to be perfectly honest uh they said within two years he'd have been a major leaguer and really? to basically wow. start when you're 30 years old and mm-hmm. you know he was he you know uh, they say because uh there wasn't enough room for all the media um that was going to follow him around he couldn't start at the lowest level like most players would right um right. and again these players are also coming from playing baseball their whole lives going to college playing baseball yes. you know and he went and just completely changed sports redesigned yeah. his entire body to play yeah. a completely different yeah, sport, yeah. jumped up to the third highest level there is simply because they needed stadiums big enough to fit the media. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, he hit 230. It's really, really not that bad yep. for a guy yeah, in his yeah. first year. And again, they said within two years, he probably could have made the majors. That's he wouldn't have been uh, a star, yeah. you know, but he would have been a perfectly decent baseball player and had yeah. a perfectly decent career. Well, he was and that's a star, unbelievable. Right? No, but he wouldn't have been a star in the sport of baseball sport because of, baseball, of his. Right? He wouldn't have been one of the elite players, but. Yeah, yeah. Now, does it does the documentary because I've only watched the first two episodes? Um, does it dive into Space Jam at all? It does bring it up a little, very, bit. very little, oh, okay. even less than I thought. Even less than filming, I thought. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it talks about how in his filming he still wanted to do training, so they built like Jordan Stadium on mm. the studio lot so that he could practice, and he brought in players. Like players were flown in, and like they would inevitably be in the movie as well. Um, so, like, uh, who was who? There was a couple. There was Muggsy. Um, I think was it Patrick Ewing? Uh, Patrick Ewing. I'm trying to think. Who's but the small guy? Who was the smaller guy? Was his that's name Muggsy. Muggsy. That's Muggsy yeah, Bones. Muggsy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Muggsy Bones. Yeah, and then um, I think Charles Barkley was in it. Yes, he was. Um, I believe. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. So like, it was cool. It's cool to have like uh, to see like that part. Um, but yeah, it was it was a cool little doc. My biggest complaint was there was too much jumping back and forth with the time. Like I almost 100% I agree. almost wish it was a linear story. Just be, yeah. I mean, okay, listen, we all know, I mean, if you're a fan at all, you know he won six championships. So right. it's never in doubt whether they're going to win or not. But mm-hmm. it just felt weird that, like, you would s- start this run in 93, and then they would jump right. to a game in 96, and then right. they'd go back and show him winning in 93, and then jump right. back to 95. And it yeah. was, like, a little all over the map. And I, I guess agree. that's how they decided to tell the story. Um, I think. But... I think it was to make it feel that it wasn't so like anchored in like a timeline but anchored in a character right like like in the character of michael jordan in different points in time and i I totally agree i think the timeline shift it is like you said we already know what's going to happen so it just makes sense but the the time shift kind of thing yeah i didn't i didn't entirely like it all the time but in some instances they connected dots like how something in that would happen in 97 was influenced by something that happened in 93 yes you know I mean? which like, and yeah. i thought so, they did a really cool job of that um yes, and like but that's the I, anchor and i thought they showed a lot or they gave a lot of spotlight to not just his teammates that sort of shaped his career but also his opponents and i thought they gave a really cool little focus to individuals who played a small role throughout his career you know you get reggie miller who was one of his all-time nemesis nemeses um you know, you get to see uh, the story of Steve Kerr, who lost his father early in life, and that's how him and Michael sort of bonded as teammates and everything like that. Like, there were a lot of cool sub-stories alongside the bigger Michael Jordan picture. So I thought they did yeah. that really well. And uh, very much like Nate was saying, uh, I did take the following week to really just kind of educate myself uh, a little bit more. Uh, I had seen uh, When They See Us uh, and, and was, you know, found that story very emotional and heavy uh and and very relatable to what was what was going on currently um i actually got a i got a uh something on my instagram that was like some some great movies to just educate yourself and i thought you know what like that's how i learn is is through visual medium so um the first thing that i watched was 13th documentary that explores the history of racial inequality in the united states uh it really uh highlights it and, and focuses on how the 13th amendment which was 
eventually did like inevitably designed to destroy slavery just basically changed slavery over time uh throughout american history and it looks at uh class system it looks at you know uh, the incarceration system and really understanding how uh basically uh blacks moved from slaves into really filling the jails and based on a variety of different cases that are outlined um it is probably one of the most enlightening things i i i felt so much more aware of 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 the validation of what what is going on right now and i guess it's i guess it does come from a little bit of of not necessarily ignorance but lack of like just really understanding how in history all of it's been there and it just it's been a long time uh of the same sort of stuff which is why right now is such a boiling point yeah i mean i've never you know i also caught 13th as well uh and like i've never been into politics in general i've never been into especially american politics so like i've heard the name nixon i've heard the name reagan and i've heard the name clinton but i i didn't i just i didn't even pay any attention to what they did or like i think the the freakiest part for me in seeing uh history repeating itself like exactly to the point where where you know i mentioned some of those riot videos that i i watched on my on my phone on instagram you you can watch this documentary, see stuff from Nixon and, you know, the Nixon era and hold your phone up and you're seeing the same thing, like the exact same thing. And I, yeah. it's just in, it, it's it's just the the way that the way that history is repeating itself is. Yeah, it's, it's strange. Oh. But uh, what, something that was really interesting about I liked how she used music in this documentary. Mm. Uh, she used a variety of music over various periods of time mm-hmm. uh, to really capture how. Uh, musicians and artists were already uh, like even uh, up to like Tupac were mm-hmm. were basically rapping about what is going on with systemic racism and you know the system and this idea of perception the imagination of 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 the United States and and, and whatnot. Um, this led me to kind of explore more. I watched a, a mini series called Time, uh, the uh, Khalif Browder story. Uh, this is a six part series on Netflix. Um, And it uh, talks about a a kid uh, from the Bronx, uh, 16, who was imprisoned for three years for potentially stealing a knapsack. He was imprisoned for three years, two of them in solitary confinement in what has been deemed like one of the worst prisons, which is now, I think, shut down fully, but Rikers Island. Um, And it, it literally... It is the most powerful story of, like, injustice and just the absurdity and this person's resolve to just kind of stick through this all right well like i um, i just wanted to say i mean i certainly uh, uh have been meaning to watch 13th it's on the the front page of my netflix every time i'm on there and so i'm definitely going to take some time and uh and dive into that uh because yeah i mean oppression of of people of color in the united states didn't stop in 1867 with the end of slavery it just sort of the, the, the methods by which they've been oppressed have simply changed. Yes. And I think there's just, and it's not even a, a matter of history repeating itself, simply history providing example after example after example. Uh, and it's, you know, since slavery, um, it, it's, it's taken two forms in, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, uh, certain communities being overlooked, underfunded, um, and, and that sort of thing. And then I think uh, the police treatment of, of people of color is just and it's and it's not a new thing. And it's not something that only happens every once in a while. 
There are countless instances over the last, you know, 100 years from Slave Patrols, Rodney King, Watts, right. Emmett Till, Black Wall yes. Street, Trayvon Martin, yeah. Michael Brown, John Crawford yeah. III. Like, there are just so many cases that, you know, to just take some time and read about some of these stories, it's horrific and it's appalling. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it just, it's, it's, uh, we're not going to take a political stand here on what we think about, you know, some of the going ons in the States in terms of the reaction to it. But, the, a reaction is certainly what's going to be necessary to to bring forth hopefully a change. The NFL of all organizations came out and said they made a mistake when they ignored and basically punished uh, Colin Kaepernick for his very very peaceful protest. Uh, you know NASCAR today announced that uh, they're banning any Confederate flag symbolism, mm -hmm. um, which I think it's ridiculous that. It was allowed to be endorsed, uh, you know, in 2020 to begin with. But again, it's not about, well, why is that still a thing? It's, well, it's not allowed to be a thing anymore. These are the kind of changes that are happening. Yes. Every yes. single day we're seeing something good come out of this. And it's just, it's going to be incredible to see if the world can really change uh, because of what's going on. So, yeah. you know, yeah. I, and I think November 2020 is going to be a very, very crucial stage yeah. in that in that change. So oh, we'll definitely sure. have to uh, yeah. keep an eye out. Uh, anything yeah. else you've been watching there, Jess? One last thing, just to tie it all together. I did watch something that was uh, a fiction, but inspired by obviously true events. Uh, this one was called The Hate You Give, um, which is the spells out, it's thug. Right. Mm. So thug the hate you give. Um, this is a about Star Carter, an African-American student who faces the pressures of various communities as she tries to stand up for what is right when she witnesses uh, a friend shot by a cop. Uh, what I liked about this is that it, it, it did obviously take a more youthful approach just to understand kids and their impressions. Um, but what's really interesting is how they frame it. Star's journey is framed by how she comes from the, as she dubs, the hood, and goes to school in a very predominantly white school, if you will. It's a private school. And mm -hmm. it comes from the fact that her parents want more for her. They want better for her because her father had served time for being, quote unquote, a thug. And uh, that's kind of where that, that the name comes from. And the idea that a world, uh, misconception and, and, and imagination and, and this idea of what we what people think they understand and what they they think they know uh, about people based on what they see and uh, it was it was a really heartfelt story and it really did ground this in a family sort of um, coming together which I really loved um, so yeah I you know again just to kind of cap it all off just taking the time just to watch some things to help educate myself a little bit more because I think where this is all coming from and this sort of overarching history it, it is time for a change right it is so i haven't necessarily been educating myself uh through movies uh i think i think i've gone on record maybe not so much on the podcast but with anybody who i've ever talked about movies and tv shows with i never like watch i never oh, like watching movies and tv that like almost too closely reflect reflect real life you know, movies and TV are my escape, and I almost prefer those to be. I, I mean, I'm always a comedy guy over a drama. I'm, you know, and so if something's, I, I, I don't know. I think the way I've been engaging myself in what's going on has certainly been through watching the news, um, reading as much as I can. You know, if I hear a name or if I hear a story, you know, I've been doing Wikipedia and reading articles and just trying to educate myself that way. 
Uh, mm-hmm. But you can only do so much of that before you just need to turn your brain off for a second and, and maybe laugh or, or have some fun. So oh, I've yeah. certainly, over the last two weeks, because it's been so long since we've done a Whatcha Watched, it's almost an embarrassing amount of uh, television. Um, I am on season 12 of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Wow. Uh, I'm on season four of How I Met Your Mother. Um, I caught up on uh, The Good Place as far as Netflix has allowed me. Uh, they wow. don't have the fourth and final season up yet, but I watched two more seasons of that. Uh, Sarah and I watched the four-part uh, Jeffrey Epstein documentary. Which mm. the, oh, so, how was that? Uh, you know what? Um, it was interesting. Uh, I guess I guess my issue is they didn't get into the other players as much as I mean, what this man yeah. did is horrible, undeniable, yeah. and, and but there's I, a I, lot of people that were. I part think of it. the problem is it's very speculative. Right? right. I, I don't think there's enough evidence that this documentary wanted to put possible sure. truths in. They went, sure. these are the real true facts. But have you heard, have you heard of the list? Oh, have I mean, I mean, Anonymous released uh, his records, right? And, and right. I was surprised. And I'm not, I, I don't want to say overshadowed, but I'm surprised it didn't get any sort of attention. And, and, and obviously there are things going on in the world. But also, again, I think it's all speculative as, as to right. what these names could mean and how they actually relate to the horrible horrible things that epstein was you know convicted of doing uh it i mean there's a tough watch in terms of when you find out what these poor young ladies went through and and it's it was so that was that was a dark watch oh dude i, I can only imagine i thought just, i oh. i thought i kind of had a gist of it but i was just like oh really oh get out of here oh my goodness and i say that jokingly wow. but it's almost it's not a laughing matter it's i'm in shock it's that like shock, nervous right. shocked laughter of like holy yeah, cow yeah. take a look at that because it's quite the story um you know heart heartbreaking stuff there um i binge watched space force in a day that was a wow. fun that was a fun sunday afternoon have you guys what watched you... yeah i yeah. caught the first uh i caught the first two episodes yeah and i sort of felt like i just didn't want to keep watching it like yeah it it, it just for some reason and maybe it's like i gotta keep watching it but it, it just didn't connect with me um i guess i was kind of hoping that the characters would be um endearing kind of right off the bat uh, simply because like i went from watching modern family to watching this sort of um you know these guys like i mean it's creators of the office but but still it, it watching modern family and watching the first episode of that series your the characters are like you love them like you're you love they're they're a lovable group of people that you want to keep watching. This yeah. group of people just sort of fell very flat for me. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would at best give it a 7 out of 10 maybe yeah. for, the, for the first season. Uh, and I see what you're saying. I think they're trying to be different than just a typical sitcom. You know, yeah. um, I mean, I really like John Malkovich in anything. And, and I think he's probably my favorite character on the show. That okay. and uh, his daughter meets uh, a guy I won't go into it more, but he's lovable and really, really quite uh, sweet and adorable. Um, I actually like the story and what's happening in the story and, and where they leave you off after the first season. I found that more engaging than the characters. I would certainly agree with you there. It wasn't as laugh-out-loud funny yeah. as I maybe hoped for and was expecting. But, you know, again, it, it's only the first season. I, I, I want to see more. So that yeah. says something about it. 
So like it, you said, it's not as laugh out loud. It's not as laugh out loud. And then I also found like at least from and again, I'm judging this based off of two episodes because I feel like to give to be fair, I have to watch the whole season. But was was there ever a moment where it went the opposite, where it felt very dramatic and felt very, you know, you felt very sad for for any of the characters? No, or they was they it... never get too heavy or too right. too too much into the drama. It's it's very just sort of like dry humor, you know. So I I think that's where hopefully, hopefully if they do another season of it, maybe that's where they can kind of continue. Yeah, Yeah. sure. I I haven't watched it and I I was going to after the whole office um, series finale and uh, my brother-in-law has been watching it and he only got through three episodes and he came and told me he was like, yeah, don't bother watching it. (laughs) That's funny. A lot of the people I'm talking to are like, it's hilarious. And I'm like, well, no, it's not hilarious. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. So it's funny to get like the two ends of the spectrum there. Uh, I just certainly would warn you, Justin, don't go into it because you just watch The Office and and want more of that because you won't you won't come away with that sort of attachment. That's why I'm giving myself a little bit of space. I think that's probably a good idea. You know, I think just because Steve Carell and Greg Daniels are involved. It's very different projects. Sure. Did you find Steve Carell's voice was really weird, at least in the pilot? I see what you're saying, but he, I mean, he's talking like a general. That's, right. you know, he he's like a four star general. It, yeah, he yeah. does. He becomes, you know, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's certainly, yeah. Cool. Especially as he becomes deflated by being assigned to something he has no desire to be <laughs> in, right? So. All right, cool. Um, and then um, two, two last things here that I dove into, uh, and they kind of relate to each other. Sort of, not really, but anyways, I've decided that I'm going back and watching excellent shows that I never had a chance to watch. Um, it was. It almost sort of stems from our topic of the show, you know, movies we were embarrassed to say we haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm going back to watch very, very highly regarded shows that I just haven't seen. Oh, so uh, then, so, so then, if we do, if we do the episode, then you're never going to have any. I know. To I'm say. gonna. I'm gonna be able to crush it and just be like, "Sorry, boys, I've seen every good TV show ever. My bad." Uh, um, but so I finally went back and said, "You know what? I'm gonna rewatch, restart, because I only got through the first season originally." Because uh, that's all I had on DVD, and then while I was waiting for season two, I never uh, got back into it. I'm on episode one of season three of Breaking Bad. Wow, nice! Yeah, I'm doing it. I'm doing it, and it's just perfectly fine. It's <laughs> no, perfectly come on. fine. Come I on. I gotta say, uh, I mean, I, the storytelling is is pretty good. I, mm-hmm. I find there's a lot of like slow, like there are some episodes where literally nothing happens. Well, that's but like there's the one end, episode just, where like it. Jesse doesn't he loses his house, and that's like the only thing that only happens thing. for fifty yep. minutes. Yeah, yeah. And there is I have to turn up the volume sometimes so loud, like stop whispering, stop <laughs> whispering everything, people, because then in the next <laughs> scene there's a bloody explosion and and my windows rattle because I've yeah. got the volume up so high to hear it. <laughs> I don't know. I just find it's really. Just okay, and I think what what's lacking in it again the writing in terms of the story is very engaging, and I want to see where this goes. And but the writing in terms of the dialogue, it is nowhere near the other great shows that I've watched. Um, oh. And I will the, the dialogue's <laughs> basic. It is basic B dialogue. It's but it's, you know it's also, oh we it's have to sell drugs. We have to sell yeah. drugs. You know oh Brian Cranston's fantastic. Yeah, um, you know now that it's I've the seen performances. That now that I've seen Bob Odenkirk as Saul, although Dude. oh my god, he is 
the character he plays in season nine of The Office. Uh, it's all I can picture. Oh, for sure. Is, yeah. yeah. And you wait know? till you see, wait till you, like, once you get to that, you should definitely do uh, Better Call Saul, which is fantastic. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, I know it's a prequel, though. And so I know that you're going to see all these characters from this show I'm watching now, <laughs> and I'm going to know they all survive here's, and live. So what's my, the drama? Where are the stakes? Here's the thing. If I was going to recommend to you, if you hadn't seen Breaking Bad, I would tell you to watch. To, I should have almost started, but I mean, it's still you know going, what? so I'd have to keep waiting. But I, I agree, but that on. is almost a better approach. But it's also more fun. Like, it, it, you would enjoy yeah. it so much no, more. Yeah, I'm going to watch Breaking it. Bad. I'm going to watch Cause it because he's my favorite character. So you, you are the last person I would ever expect to watch it, just because exactly what you said. Like, you like the, you, you appreciate that, that, that entertainment, and like, there's such a slow burn to the Breaking Bad experience. And I remember when I. I thought that was going to turn me off of it, but it like I was surprised at how much it just sunk me into it. I'm so glad you're watching it. Yeah, no, I think, and I think uh, you know, and it's my fault. I waited seven years after it ended to start it, but I've seen so many things from it. So like when you get some dude's head on a turtle, I'm like, oh, I've seen that gif, or I've seen that in a list of moments. You know, like I just got introduced to I think the series Big Bad and Gus. You know. And I know how his story ends because it's talked about so much. And so I think having that be like a fresh thing where you don't know where the story's going, his introduction would have been really, really cool and neat where you start off with this seemingly decent guy working at a chicken shop to becoming this big, bad, ruthless guy who ends up with one of the most glorious deaths in all of television. And I already know that's coming. And so... It's my fault, but I think that might be hindering the experience just a bit, is that I know too much of yeah. what's going on. But again, yeah. the, uh, in terms of the dialogue, because um, I compare it to another show that I just flew through, because uh, it's only three seasons long, uh, and that's The Newsroom, um, which, as like a diehard Sorkin junkie, that's uh, one of the best shows I've ever seen in terms of dialogue. Like, there are 20 characters they are the smartest funniest most intelligent people in television history the way these people talk like they they have a joke for everything going on they know every single historical newsworthy reference like they're so unrealistically funny and smart and intelligent and and quick-witted and everything but the dialogue is just so crackling that i don't care that nothing's going on you know mm. like it's the opposite of breaking bad there's not much going on in terms of story but it's just an hour long you know, each episode is an hour of just this awesome dialogue. And that's my favorite part of writing. And so, you know, contrasting those two shows, they're almost the polar opposite in terms of where their strengths are and where... Yeah, no, yeah. Aaron's, like, Newsroom relies heavily on the dialogue where I would say Breaking Bad relies heavily on the visuals. It's an, it's, it is a screen play if you will right like it is something that is is captured through moments through you know to your point looks and 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 and, and more of the performance while visuals and i think to, to your point aaron sorkin is is he is a king of writing dialogue and yeah very, oh, he's, like he's, west wing I, I've, I've i haven't watched west wing in full but i've watched episodes just to see like the craft of what he's done um it's pretty incredible to see how like west wing uh, was 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 a like how that show was structured? It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. That's that's on you know I'd say my top five list of shows that I'm going to go back and watch once I finish Breaking Bad. I think I'm going to do Sopranos. Uh, I might do a rewatch of Deadwood because I never finished it because I was so sad to know that it ended and didn't get a good finish. But now that they've made the movie to sort of wrap it up, I think I'm going to go back and rewatch that one. 
I want to watch Rome. I'm going to knock out all the big HBO shows, and and I think I might watch The Americans. Um, I get an ad for that every 10 minutes on FX watching It's Always Sunny, so there's one I might watch. So I've got a whole bunch of shows that I'm planning on going back and watching. So, uh, But yeah, Aaron Sorkin is a writing god, and if I could ever write a single line of dialogue as good as his worst line of dialogue, I would consider myself accomplished. So, uh, But yeah, that has been my two-week myriad of... I'm just all over the map, man. I'm watching like five <laughs> things at once. It's almost hard to keep track of at times. You're, you're like Nate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm watching something and Sarah's watching something and then we come together and we're both watching two shows. It's like, oh, we're all over the map. She's doing Dead Like, oh no, Six Feet Under. I want to check that one out. It's another really highly acclaimed show, obviously, so... Uh, but uh, I think we've uh, certainly uh, uh, dove in deep enough. Dove in? Divin? No. Dived? <laughs> we've dived? D- dived in? I think, no. it, I think it's dived. Dived? It depends. Oh, this is a tough one. Well, I think we've certainly uh, explored what we've uh, been watching. So why don't we uh, move along and check out a couple little news articles that uh, we found pretty interesting. It's all about the details. All righty. For our first piece of news, we look at the everlasting impact that the COVID uh, pandemic... Remember COVID? It's still going on. Um, we look at, <laughs> that thing again? Uh, we look at the everlasting impact that the COVID pandemic has had on not just the entertainment industry, but on movie theaters in particular. Uh, it looks like the movie theater chains may be close to reopening in the United States, possibly as soon as this Sunday, in fact. Um, and this news couldn't come soon enough for certain places... Uh, like AMC. This story comes from Tom Riemann at Collider.com. Theater chain uh, megagiant AMC reported a massive loss during the first quarter of 2020. Obviously, given the circumstances of the coronavirus pandemic, losses were to be expected, but the company was already earning uh, a reduced profit from the previous year when the closures hit. All told, AMC suffered a net loss of $2.4 billion. Uh, so obviously the thought of movie theaters reopening is great news for, uh, you know, everyone, theater goers and employees alike. Uh, but before delving a bit deeper into the story, I wanted to get you guys thoughts on that. You know, the idea that maybe not up here for us, but uh, certainly down in some of the states that are uh, reopening, movie theaters are opening. Are we excited for that uh, to finally happen? I, I, I still think, though, that like at least studios won't necessarily want to release movies until they know they can do it across like globally right like but for disney mulan which is supposed to open right. in july and has yes. already been pushed back once i think the two big yeah. ones would be mulan and obviously tenet right um so you know with those movies like will the studios still release them once they're open in the united states right like i i wonder that's what i'm curious to know i wouldn't be but i mean i wouldn't be comfortable going then like i'm still you know what i mean like i i, I I don't know. I feel like it's to sit in a theater with a mask on, like even though they're they're big blockbuster films, I'd rather watch them on on Disney Plus. Now, Tenet is the only one I think in my mind that I would be like, well, no, that's one hundred percent a movie theater movie. I'll I'll brave COVID to go see that movie yeah, for sure. Right. So I mean, you guys kind of touched on it, right? Like, um, is it going to be uh, only a partial reopening in the sense that, like, is there going to be social distancing in the theaters? Will there have to be four or five seats in between mm. everybody? And in that Likely. case, like you said, are, the, are movies really, or are these studios really going to want to open to, you know, 25% capacity theaters, right? 
So it, it's, it'll agree. definitely be interesting to see if they rush into it or if maybe we do just get a rehashing of just go to the theater, enjoy the experience with your space yeah, and watch an old movie. Back. You know, yeah. yeah. Well, and I mean, we talked about the idea of Disney potentially putting some of these films out on Disney Plus, but like what, you know, AMC has already gotten really upset over Trolls World Tour and and them missing out on that revenue. So it's like, you know, are they going to just continue to cut ties and can they do that with th- these these losses? Like the, I think they're going to jump back on that decision so fast. I think they have to. Well, it's awesome that you bring that up cuz uh the second part of um the story that I sort of was looking into comes from Kendall Halliburton from Screen Rant. Kendall said, with the rising popularity of streaming services, AMC even launched a streaming service called AMC Theaters on Demand in 2019. So it sounds a bit hypocritical, really, if you think about it, right? Absolutely. Um, but so this sort of thing brings up the ongoing debate over whether movie theaters will survive in the modern age. Yeah. You know? Um, you know, because I like personally, I enjoy seeing a movie once or twice a month in theaters, you know? Yeah. So do I. I, I love yeah. the experience, I, but do we think streaming services may one day completely replace the theater-going experience altogether? So let me, can I ask a question well, I think, to you guys? Like, well, go ahead, Just. Uh, let me let me, let me me just ask a question. In the sense of like, okay, you're going to go see a movie in theaters. Would you go see Judd Apatow's newest movie or would you go see Tenet? You know, again, I don't need, I mean... It doesn't need to be a blockbuster for me to go see it in the theater because, again, I love going to the movies. Right, uh, I, I like, yeah. you know, I, I just find there's I'm so much more connected to what's going on in the screen when I'm in a theater and just watching the movie. You know, watching at home, it's so easy to pick up your phone, to go to the kitchen mm. for a drink, you know, pause it for a sec, I'll go to the washroom, that sort of thing. Whereas when you're in the theater and it's the lights are off and you're just fully engaged, you in the screen, and that's yeah. it, you know, that's just, yeah. it can't be replaced no matter how good your the picture on your TV is, no matter how good your sound system is, no matter how comfy your couch is, it's just not the same, in my opinion. Sure, I, I think I think again, it, I, the idea is to draw the idea of what the the is going to be in theaters, right? Like I can see the big movies that they want to put that are the spectacle and theater experience. They will still live to be. Uh, you know, screened in the theater, whereas, you know, the rom-coms and the other, you know, uh, lighthearted comedies and, and stuff like that, those might hit streaming platforms. Well, I, I think mean, I, there could be a balance. I think that's, I think it's almost twofold, right? Like, I mean, I've seen every Judd Apatow movie that he's released in theaters, you know, because a Judd Apatow movie is an event for me. It's not obviously a blockbuster big action explosion movie event, but it's an event. It's I look forward to every time he comes out with a movie and, and this one in particular. So I'm excited that it's coming to a streaming service and I get to see it sooner rather than having to wait for whenever it might be released in theaters. Mm-hmm. But I think if we want to see these big action, you know, blockbuster spectacle movies in theaters, we're going to have to see other movies in theaters too to keep those theaters alive. You know, Mm -hmm. these theaters will not be able to survive if they're only getting six or seven big movies that people go to see every year. So but I mean, again, it's it's going to be covid. And I think streaming services will have a huge impact on theaters more and more so going forward. Um, And speaking of uh, streaming services, uh, let's move on to more important news. Uh, This story comes from Katie Scott at Global News. Cineplex made 45 movies by black creators or about black lives available to stream for free in Canada. 
The company said that they're offering them to Canadian audiences for free, and they will also be covering the royalty fees themselves mm. in an attempt to inform and empower people. So very much what we were talking about earlier. Uh, the quote goes, In a time when many people are turning to movies to become informed and empowered, we want to help. Cineplex tweeted on Friday, Our Understanding Black Stories collection was curated to elevate black filmmakers. These films are available to view at no cost on the Cineplex store. The movies include Poetic Justice, Just Mercy, Do the Right Thing, Moonlight, The Hate You Give, Twelve Years a Slave, Get Out, Boys in the Hood, Selma, Queen and Slim, Us, and more. Uh, what a wicked, wicked initiative. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I was originally worried, like, I was like, well, okay, these are all being offered for free, but the fact that they're covering the royalty fees is, fan- like, it's it just makes so much sense. It's so cool to see, though, like, it's... It's it's you know forty five movies like I've never I've never even had any remote interest in the Cineplex movie app. I mean we have access to Netflix, Disney Plus, iTunes. Yeah. So like if I want to get a movie, they're all there. But this was uh, you know this was kind of um, a, a fantastic thing for them to do. And forty five movies that's so many so many stories. Um, and yeah, so like. You know, for the ongoing future, I guess, you know, anyone anyone can catch that. Um, I tried it out with uh, Just Mercy, and as I mentioned in my Whatcha, and it's it's super easy just to, like, you so gotta make an you, account and then rent it, and then you have it for 48 hours, uh, and then I, I assume that I could just rent it again if I want to. So did you watch it on your Apple TV, Nate? I did, yeah. Now the only the only thing is the it's the storefront won't allow you to go in and say I want to rent this. So I had to actually go on my phone, rent it, and then because my account was on the Apple TV uh, app, it synced and then I could watch it. So, but but you know, I, I I guess I'll test it. I'll let I'll let you know. But I think you can I think you can rent them as many times as you want. I don't know. Well, and, and even if you can, I mean, there's 45 of them. So, go, you know, you're almost better off trying to watch as many of them as you can, right? And, yeah. and, and what an opportunity. Do the right thing. I would recommend you guys check it out. I watched it in, uh, in film school, and uh, it, was, it, was, it was great. I want to rewatch that one. I'm glad they have that one up for free. Yeah, I, I think uh, there's, there's quite a few here I'd like to uh, check out and just sort of, uh, uh, I, I don't want to say capitalize on the opportunity, but... Uh, why not, right? No, like this is a perfect, power. you know, Learn. this is this is yeah. the chance to do so, right? So, yeah. well, uh, I, think I think it's I think it's a brilliant initiative. I almost wish more services were sort of offering this this kind of. I mean, I guess it's tough because other ser- streaming services are more membership based, right? So you but get they, their whole library, whereas yeah. whereas Cineplex is a pay per rental, right? So mm-hmm. I guess that's yeah, where we- they're able to do it. So uh, to all our listeners, go check out Cineplex. Watch a movie. Let us know what you thought. Uh, let us know if you learned anything new and, uh, you know, maybe you found a new favorite filmmaker or anything like that. Uh, we'd love to hear back from you on that uh, on that topic. And can we get can we get this link uh, at least to like the Cineplex main page where people can sign up for this? We'll get this link in the in the description. Yeah, we should. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, uh, obviously, this is a very pressing, important issue that's not going to go anywhere. And so we will continue to uh educate ourselves and try and share any information that we hear uh similar to this in upcoming episodes uh but now guys i think we should go and uh again try and redeem our geek cred a little let's jump into the topic of the show and uh, discuss some uh some movies that we had never seen before it's time for the topic of the show. 
Okay, so for this week's topic of the show, we thought it would be fun to watch a few of the movies that we discussed last week uh, that we were embarrassed to admit we'd never seen. Uh, some of these movies were film artsy-fartsy picks. Some of them were <laughs> old-time black-and-white classics. And others were, well, quite frankly, essential geek viewing that Nate should simply be ashamed <laughs> to admit he hasn't seen. Uh, and after we shared our lists with each other, we thought it'd be fun to pick a movie from each of our lists and go ahead and watch those. Uh, and as a result, we have a movie that Justin had never seen, a movie that Nate had never seen, and then finally, a movie that none of us had ever seen. Mm -hmm. And so why don't we get right into it, and we will start with the movie that Justin had never seen. Uh, this movie is very often... Uh, at the top of people's all-time favorite movie lists, uh, based on the Stephen King short story, uh, we have Shawshank Redemption. Uh, let's yeah. start with you, Just. Is, is this would have been your first time watching it? Uh, what were your initial thoughts? Mm, I have to say, like I think the thing that it's a fantastic story. It's a, a very heartfelt story of friendship. Um, it's also a bit of injustice in it as well. Uh, we see that from both perspectives of of uh, of characters. Uh, we see some some great, some again very relevant stuff to the incarceration system and this idea of of you know who's who's the boss in there and 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 the way things are done, um, which you know, in a film like Shawshank, uh, almost comes off as something that could be highly fictional. But, uh, you know, in light of seeing other things after Shawshank, it's obviously a very prevalent thing that exists within the incarceration system. I think, the, you know, we, we discussed in the last episode how in some cases, because we had seen things parodied or there had been made references uh, within pop culture already, uh, things had been spoiled. Uh, so I, I will I will uh, recall, if you will, the Family Guy episode. You know, that, that moment, and, and obviously spoilers, so I will preface that, but the moment that, uh, you know, Tim Robbins' character doesn't come out of the jail cell, I was like, oh, oh, is this how they reveal that you know oh. where he's gone right so i already knew but i i can imagine though if, if i hadn't seen the parody and sitting in the movie theater i'd be like well where is he i i do think that it, it is definitely a, a very strong story a very you know well well deserved as well for that recognition but it's crazy though that it it, it just it, there's a shift there with morgan freeman and tim robbins like he is the tim robbins is obviously the focal character but morgan freeman i i think is is more so the focal character of this of this uh story oh he's, he steals the show and i mean yeah. we we have yeah. this movie to to thank for morgan freeman the narrator right this is this oh, is yeah. where he gets his sort of narration cred from really honestly i got chills when the moment you you hear morgan freeman's voice uh describing like the 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 andy getting the roof crew roof crew beers that that Dialogue that scene is that, fantastic. Yeah. Oh, it's I literally like my hairs on my arm stood up, and I was he, like, I wanted That's... a beer. He he didn't do he didn't do it for himself. He didn't no. do it for us. He did it just to feel normal. You know. Yeah. yeah. Such yeah. a cool oh. scene. Uh, like just, I will touch on what you were saying. How a lot of it has been spoiled over the years for you, because uh, I mean, I watched it with somebody who'd never seen it either. So I got the experience uh, in watching it with Sarah, who'd never seen it. 
And, you know, she was like, oh, I know what's going to happen now. Oh, I, oh, that, that, that's where that scene's from. And, oh, that's where that joke's from, right? So, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Certainly a movie yeah. as well-renowned and, and if, you know, adored is going to be parodied and mentioned in pop culture. Um, if you guys haven't seen the Family Guy spoof of it uh, or parody of it, like, definitely check it out. I'm going to go check that out, yeah. It's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. And there's, uh, there's a great Star Wars reference. So. <laughs> nice. I right. really loved it. So, uh, nice. but yeah, I think the movie, I think the movie deserves all the recognition. I, I'm just, I think I was, I was expecting more, maybe more of a twist, maybe really? something that was going to leave me more. I didn't think I was going to get something so conclusive, like happy ending. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But again, oh I no, guess... it's that is pure feel good movie, right? Yeah. Everybody yeah, yeah. in the I mean, uh, there's one or two characters maybe who who don't get the happiest of ending. In particular, the the poor young man going for his GED. But oh. yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. the bad guys all get what they deserve. The characters we're rooting for get a happy ending, and you know, you you are left kind of just feeling like, oh, that was nice by the end of it. That was right? yeah, it was a nice story. Yeah. It was a nice conclusion, and and and, and I can appreciate it for that. But I think I think like you you can't ignore you know how how shocking some of those moments are as well. And I mean, we've definitely seen movies that feature, you know, some of the moments that happen in this movie uh more, you know, recently and and since then. But, you know, just as an as an audience sort of experiencing that, especially when this movie sort of came out, like when Brooks kills himself, right? And hangs himself, like that's that's a moment that I think was you know, it's absolutely shocking to see that see that scene, or or when uh, when the what's his what's his name, the guy that runs the prison, when he when he shoots himself. Like you know, these are things that I think are they make the film so much better in in how they don't hold back from that. I, I think the one thing that stood out to me though definitely did feel very placed in the time you know with the way the performances was and the demeanor of the characters and stuff like that it 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 felt old timesy if you will uh it was actually funny at times it kind of reminded me of like a a classic hollywood film like you know something that you would have seen uh back in let's say 1957 or 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 you know earlier but black and white you know what i mean with like maybe someone like you know charlton heston as being like you know the Tim Robbins character and, mm. and, you know, maybe depending on your time frame, you know, Sydney, Sydney Poitier being, being right. the Morgan Freeman, right? Like it, it could have been, you know, there, there, there's, there's films that have done that in the past, but like, yeah, it's, it, it's very, it felt very old timesy. I, I did appreciate oh, that. Oh, certainly. Too. I mean, but that's, that's how movies were being made at that time. Right. Like when you, when you even consider like the, the things that are happening to Tim Robbins character, um, you know, and then you compare it to a show, 10 years later in Oz and the way they depict oh, yeah. that kind of violence and assault yep. and everything, you know, it, it's a mm-hmm. lot easier to digest the way it's sort of almost yeah. off camera. You're told yeah. something's happened, but you don't necessarily sure. see it. And, and you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a family movie though, of course. Right. So they have to sort of yeah. work around certain things, you know? Yeah. What's well, it's funny. It's you said. Way. It's funny you said family movie because like the beginning with the music and the credits kind of playing over top. I it almost reminded me of like a TV movie where I'm watching yeah. it. In, right? Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was gonna reference to. Is that like with you saying family movie? Yeah. I think of the opening. It felt like it felt like um, a really obscure reference, like the live action de- um, uh, Dennis the Menace movie. You know what I mean? Or like, or, you know, like the, like, uh, you know, like that family adventure film, like an adventure film, right? 
Sure, sure. Uh, sure, yeah, if you want to go super cheese. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it's got it's a bit better than a Hallmark movie, right, at the oh, end of the day. Oh, for sure, but... overall. Justin, what did you think about the, the visuals? Because I, I just felt like the, the, the way the film was shot and captured and the camera movements were actually like, that was the part for me where I was like, okay, now it no longer feels like a t- made-for-TV movie. Like, it actually feels like a movie movie. Like, they made this drab world look so, oh. so fantastic. Well, and even that that first scene where Tim Robbins walks into the jail and the camera mm-hmm. like sort mm-hmm. of it's his perspective and looks up and it's just and it makes the building look so menacing and scary and you go into the darkness of the tunnel and like that that shot alone like really stood out for me as as well done so uh f- fun fact for you guys uh Roger Deakins shot that film oh, there we go there you go, uh, there you so, go. that explains so everything Deakins, enough said yeah Deakins uh Deakins definitely like the way he used like light uh shadows um, like even the scene, you know, the, 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 the repetitive scene of, of watching, you know, Morgan Freeman's character walk down that dark, narrow hallway to what is meant to be a light at the end of the tunnel of, of his, of his incarceration, but it, to only be told that he has been rejected and put back in that tunnel is very symbolic. And he, he captures that in seconds of just, just doing that, you know? So I think that, you know, Deacon's, the way he shot it gave the prison vibe, the, the, the 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 shadows and the the darkness that it needed but their story of these characters and, and that friendship and that bond helped give it the light if you will absolutely i i will say uh one thing i noticed was the middle part of it kind of drags a little and i think it's intentional uh you know it's almost supposed supposed to represent that mundane yeah uh sense of prison life right where it's just the same thing over and over and and we're and we almost really do feel the passing of twenty years that Tim Robbins has been locked up, um, in in that, in that slow pacing. Um, but overall, I would say my like review of it, as I would give it definitely like a four out of five uh, as as a rating uh, for a film. I, I appreciated it. I, I was a little underwhelmed with it, and I think that in, is in part to do with the fact that I again hadn't had having seen it parodied or, or referenced multiple times in other places uh, kind of m- maybe demystified the movie a little bit for me um, yeah. but like I, I I think I think overall though the story like to actually experience the story and to see what that story's about and and the, the journey of the two to get to that quote-unquote redemption um, is, is 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 you know very very good I certainly enjoyed watching it again I'm happy I did it uh, I'm glad we picked that one to rewatch because uh it is a really nice, really well done movie with some great performances and a, and a pretty uh, engaging story, I thought. Nate, any final thoughts on Shawshank? Yeah, I think it's, um, yeah, I think it's, 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 it translates so well from, from the, the story, from, from Stephen King's original story. Um, this was a movie that I watched in English class and it was the first time I've ever had an experience watching a, a movie in English class where the entire class was like, no, 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 like, we have to watch like we had a I think we near the end of it we had a a sub in and they were they were not going to originally play the ending of the movie we're like no no like we we've been watching this movie we have to watch this movie and like we were all so passionate about it and it was the first time I've ever really sort of experienced that um in high school and yeah man it's a timeless classic 5 out of 5 uh, it's phenomenal wow uh yeah i think uh i would certainly uh i i'll give it a sentence of uh you know, 4.4 to 4.5 years out of five. <laughs> okay. Nice. Um, nice. All right. Now, like, uh, I like that. Uh, why don't we move on next uh, to uh, 
uh, the most uh, recent of the three movies we went to and watched, uh, and that's the movie that Nate had never seen, and that was Ocean's Eleven. Let's start. Uh, yeah, let's start with you, Nate. Sorry. Okay. We're again. We're going full spoilers. This is probably the biggest spoiler. Uh, the moment. <laughs> The moment that he started eating nacho chips, I wanted nacho chips. Uh, the moment that he started eating shrimp, I wanted shrimp. Um, and of course, I'm talking about when Brad Pitt is just eating all these things. And you told I me told to look you, out man, for that, he Kevin. He just eats the whole movie. It's amazing. <laughs> it's so good. And uh, and yeah, something about him eating this this movie was um, it was interesting for me. Uh, it George Clooney. I was actually blown away by how I recognized so easily all the other characters, but George Clooney looked, for some reason for me, looked very different. Maybe I just haven't seen a lot of George Clooney stuff, but especially at the beginning of the movie when he's in jail, like he looks, yeah, I was like, who's that? Oh, that's George Clooney. Um, the the scene of him and Brad Pitt walking out of the club and everyone, uh, and then everyone freaks out over Topher Grace. <laughs> I was like... In what world, like, obviously they're not, you know, it's Topher Grace and they're just characters, but like, it was just, it was really odd to see. Um, I, yeah, the movie, it, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, the characters were really, I think they were really, um, confident in, in what they were, what they were doing, getting the band together. I really enjoyed that sort of aspect. I love the scenes of them sort of going from moment to moment. Um, it's funny, Justin, that you mentioned like shows that were parodying um, Shawshank because I immediately thought of like the Rick and Morty episode where they're like they're getting a crew together and and it sort of was like oh, okay so I yeah that was that was this season wasn't it like yes uh, uh, the first half of season the four, convention yeah. episode or whatever yeah. right yeah so like I was like I was like oh okay so like it, it it didn't spoil it for me I just sort of made that connection um, but I think honestly. It was fantastic. Um, the entire narrative felt as confident as the main characters do. Um, but the only problem that I had with it, I think the only issue that I had with it was that it felt too confident. It, uh, it felt like, yes, these characters are, are amazing at what they're doing. And they, they hammer that home of how fantastic these guys are at what they do and getting back into what they do. But it just, at no point in time, because they had established those characters as being so great and so confident... At no point in time was I worried. I wasn't. I never felt worried about what was going to happen. I didn't think really? that they were going to make a mistake. But so even at the end there, before the reveal that they were the SWAT team, you didn't think like, oh no, did they get caught? Did no. uh, did Garcia get them? No, I didn't. I, I didn't think, because well. because I didn't think I did. I was like, there's no way they would have screwed that up. Like they just can't because they again there was just not enough in the movie for me to kind of feel like on edge of my seat like they're going to screw up or something bad is going to happen. I, I don't know. I just didn't, I didn't catch it that way. But, but maybe that, I think that's almost the point, right? Like mm -hmm. that's, that was sort of the direction they went with, you know, was that, you know, these guys are the best at what they do. And like, let's just watch how they do it. Not if they'll do it, you know? Correct. Yeah. And I think, but I think I was going in with the expectation of, of if they'll do it. And I was, I was hoping to see a story that I guess that might be a little bit more conventional in terms of what I'm used to with these stories. Yeah, but I, I think I think the, the the thing I don't know, I, I went in to the film, I remember knowing about the original Ocean's Eleven with Frank Sinatra and, and you know, uh Sammy Davis, um and, and knowing that like it is like a heist film where they do come out at the end successful. 
Well, I mean, they um, always come out successful. There aren't many movies no, where they don't, the good guys don't. No, win, I right? know. But I, I think, I think like, you know, this was a, a reimagining of that story, right? With, with the core elements in place and, and a, a real grit and glam mashup. Um, it had the, the glam and, and tradition of, of, of Vegas and, you know, the music and the, you know, that, that sort of, you know, jazzy sort of vibe to it, right? Which kind of coined, a, well, not coined, but I guess insinuates the heist motif, right? And you have that, that nostalgic Vegas glam with this like real grit in the sense of how it's shot and how it feels so documentary style to tell this this whole retelling of 60s film that was a very glam Hollywood film. I mean, the the, the original is boring compared to this movie. Uh, right. I mean, I didn't see it until after. And so, you know, obviously, when you're comparing a movie from the 60s to one from the early 2000s, it's going to it's going to suffer in, in that regard. Right? But I also think, think about that. like for, for somebody like I mean, I saw this in theaters in 2001 for somebody like Nate. You've now seen a hundred movies including like you've seen the italian job right yeah and they borrow a lot of the sort of uh, you know stylings that this movie did right it's almost like watching a a hundred of the action movies that matrix inspired and then watching the matrix and you go well that's not all that special it's done in everything and it's like well not at the time right like right the way soderbergh was cutting and splitting the screens and you're seeing Two things happening at once as the pictures are moving across, and the boom, but da 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 boom, boom, but da 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 boom, but da 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 boom, right? Like that's been done and done and done a thousand times since. But when that movie happened in two thousand one, it was fresh, it was cool. It's like mm. the coolest movie I think I'd ever seen when I saw that movie. But see, that was where he kept that Holly, that that partial Hollywood glam, because that is a, that was a stylistic editing technique, right? But to your point, he used it as a way to to move the story along, to keep you engaged, to keep it fun with the music and and whatnot so i think it's like it's it's fresh to see it with modern eyes in 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 sodenberg's you know uh, how he cut it together i mean i definitely like i can't say i didn't have fun like there were definitely a lot of moments where you're absolutely right like it wasn't it wasn't boring um i just think like for me i think to i think about like mission impossible right where we see somebody who is a master class at what they do but there is still so many more moments of that idea of like is he gonna fall here or is he gonna fail is he gonna get killed or you know like so i i just i don't know i just maybe i just wanted a little bit more of that but i definitely had fun i also think that the the acting in this film from george clooney and julia roberts like it's actually like that seeing them interact in their scenes that was probably where i was more blown away than with the, anything from the storyline or or anything like that like they are phenomenal and i yeah, i you actually buy them, this you buy them as this couple that's fighting with being together or not and and like struggling to make it work yeah, yeah like for sure for sure they're so good and i think that's like they the, those two alone are a reason to to uh, check this movie out i will say though the only the only acting issue that i had had to have been don Cheadle with his british accent his, his very bad british accent yeah it was horrible yeah i, mean, like, I never was... understand when they do those when they make oh. those decisions but don't do it well it's you so know it just doesn't bad. make sense to me yeah like in my mind i'm thinking don Cheadle probably was like like i don't know whether he was asked to or whether he did it but at some point a group of people that could have told him it was a bad idea or it sounded awful didn't. <laughs> it's just like, so yeah, but that maybe, would probably maybe be... that's an inside joke. You know, maybe it was like let's do it because it's it is so bad it's good sort of thing. Maybe who knows? Maybe, maybe. because that was his con, right? His con the whole time was to be a British guy. 
he wasn't actually British? <laughs> no. Listen, that's, if that's, that's the what case, a lot of people have have said. Okay. I uh, listen. I am I am so much more down with that with that fan narrative. No, I made that. Up. Um, I made oh that. well, I, am, I love it. I love it. It made it made the movie better for me. Um, but yeah, between between his act his his uh, British acting and uh, seeing Ross's dad uh, in the movie, kind of those moments sort of took me out of it a little bit. But um, what Elliot but Gould that, is awesome in that movie. He's awesome in the movie, man. I can't I just, believe I'm, that. I'm just so used to seeing him as you know when you're so used to seeing like it's kind of like with space force like i you know you go in and you're like oh michael scott and it's not michael See, scott that's, right that's like, just so unfair though you, you know it's like these people are only allowed to play one character and then they're never allowed to do something different right no for sure i just think it's the amount of exposure that you have to a certain character and then immediately trying to see them as someone else like you know what give me a few years away from from the office and i'll be able to see michael scott or steve carell as as a, a completely different character i'm sure but for sure um, over Overall, I would say out of 11, I'll give it 9.3 billion dollars stolen from a bank out of out of 11. Out of 11. That's that's uh, considerably higher than I was expecting given you didn't seem as enamored with it. Uh, I mean, I, I will I, I, I won't go too in depth on my thoughts on this movie because I could probably talk your ears off just because I love it so much. <laughs> I mean, I've seen it at least 11 times probably. I just right. I go back and watch the three of them you know once every couple of years at least. And so I will say you mentioned Brad Pitt eating because that is one of the, the best like sort of subtle little jokes they do throughout it. And I'll say, I, I mean, I think... You you know, for any of us who who love this stuff as much as we do, you know, you always go, oh, imagine being a film star. Imagine, you know, getting to act in movies or whatever. And I'd say if there were any scene in cinematic history that I would love to have gotten to be in, it would be Brad Pitt in the shrimp scene. Because because yeah. from what I've heard, uh, he ate about 50 to 60 shrimp in the process because he just had to keep going and going and that is just basically my dream in a nutshell you know i'm a movie star and i get to eat shrimp like boom that's my two like you know favorite things in the world essentially so especially if you can look like brad pitt while eating shrimp. well yeah well, what, are you, what are you saying bud what are you saying i mean i got one of those things down don't i uh it's one of my favorite movies of its kind of all time so i'm gonna go with a solid 10 billion out of 11 billion Wow. All right. Yeah, I love wow. it. I love it. Well, it was wow, at wow. 9.2 and didn't even like it that much. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I know. That's, yeah, that's based on that ratio. So then, um, I don't know, man. I, I think this movie, for me, like even just rewatching it again, brought back all the memories of when I had first watched it and just thinking how, like, you know, fresh and, and different, but also very nostalgic. It was just this perfect blend of everything, right? It, it was referencing old with, with, with certain sort of dynamics and, and the, the nostalgic glance. The, the way the scenes are cut and the, the split screens, the music. And then you have like this real grit that feels like this thing was shot on a handy cam and that it was just very de-glamour uh, it, it based on, you know, its pre- predecessor, which is Ocean's Eleven, which is a very Hollywood film in that it's, you know, a lot of lighting, a lot of stylistic sets and stuff like that. Everything just felt very real. So uh, I, I think I, I, I would give this film 11 out of 11. Whoa, wow. a perfect wow. film. Okay. Okie dokie. Yeah. Okie yeah, dokie. 
Nate, I think narrative... he, you started too high with your score. We had to keep going up for it. <laughs> no, yeah. And the story itself, like, and, and the twists and, and everything, it's just it's so enjoyable. Even even though you know, um, because you've seen it so many times, but it still has that oh, those just, good feels. Yeah, like, like twist, I, yeah. I didn't mind that you knew they were going to get away with it. Again, I'll say it again. It's not if they're going to get away with it. I love how they get away with it. And right. to see all of these things that you conceive as problems throughout the course of the movie it's it's all part mm-hmm. of their incredibly elaborate perfectly laid out plan yeah, like yeah. i just thought that was yeah. so cool nate do not watch oceans 13 if you uh are hesitant uh, as to uh, it seeming too easy because my goodness there yeah. that is the just easiest heist in the world in that one so okay. okay although i would recommend if you like the characters to go on two more adventures with them definitely do it and and 12 is is very different tonality because uh, it takes place in europe and so they sort of they almost like uh incorporate a lot of european film elements in terms of music and stuff into the film so it it feels a little different than 11 and then 13 is just Ocean's Eleven Part Two, basically. So. <laughs> I will say, I will say that the follow-ups to the films don't capture the same sort of magic that Ocean's Eleven has, and and you know, to Kevin's point, stylistically, you can see that more budget has been interjected. Even the fact that they're in Europe and and stuff like that, and yes, they do reference you know black and white film and and that sort of stuff as as like you know sequences. But I think what what was so great about the first one is just how small it felt do you know what i mean and how small mm. it felt with this you know grand cast so you know good film mm. good film for sure mm. all righty uh well we've looked at two movies that you guys hadn't seen now i think we should uh, cap it off with a movie that none of us had seen uh and one that i regret putting on my list of movies that i want to watch <laughs> um so i guess I'm, I'm i'll dive right in here and uh, well you're to blame well, yeah, I am. So. Well, no, Kubrick is. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, of course, we're talking about 2001, A Space Odyssey. I could give you 2001 reasons why this is <laughs> one of my least favorite movies I've ever seen in my entire wow. life. It was not a movie. It was an art piece disguised mm. as a movie. The The visuals are stunning. To think that it's practical effects done in the 60s is absolutely remarkable. It's an incredible achievement. But the, the lack of narrative, the and okay, it takes 25 minutes, yeah. 35 seconds for a character to talk. Yes. And then they talk for two minutes and then it's another 14 minutes until you get any more dialogue. There is a total in the two hour runtime of this movie, a total of 40 minutes of dialogue. And the yeah, rest okay. is just quirky visuals, overextended visuals. Oh my goodness. I'm going to pass it off and, and just rub my head a bit and let somebody else talk. Just what do you think? Right. No, I, I, I think you, 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 you got it. it it's, it's an art piece disguised as a film. Oh. And it really was a showpiece to showcase the achievements that have been made in in you know in movie making the ability of what what they were able to achieve in terms of the miniatures and scope because everything we saw would lead to george lucas wanting to do star wars knowing that he could do star wars and that star wars was a possibility so 1968 to see this film and, and and you know not seeing anything before it obviously and not not being where we are now i can imagine how this would have been very engrossing and very you know that's why the shots are so elongated it's like it's a spectacle to see this ship you know just l- gently land somewhere and it's it, i personally think like while all of those things are to be appreciated you're right kevin 
because it's so long, it doesn't hold up to now. Like I was so bored. Oh yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm only 30 minutes in. Great. Like they're they're on the moon and they take 15 minutes seemingly to walk down towards the monolith. And it's like, let's go. I just kept yelling at the TV. Right. And like, and again, it's it's really just, it's a spectacle, man. Like it, this is, to me, embodies everything about what movies were back then. It was a spectacle. This was just to show off all of these sort of things. And it leaves a very, you know, impressionist, like sort of uh, or ambiguous sort of ending and theme um but again i don't know if it really stands especially for us because we are so desensitized with the movies that we've seen in terms of effective editing engaging editing uh music and 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 visual combination to to help kind of guide us that it didn't meet what we've already experienced so yeah i felt i felt very bored absolutely nate jump in here what were your what were your some of your initial thoughts well, so like the opening, um, starting with like it almost sounded like a, an orchestra warming up, right? When they started. Oh, you, oh! Do you mean the three minutes of black screen? <laughs> yes. And I'm like, did is because uh, I uh, I had to rent it, I think. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, am I is my stream broken? Did it not work? <laughs> and I had to literally look up online, and they're like, oh yeah, it's just nothing for like two minutes. It's it's. So, but do you know why they did that, right? You know why they did that? To piss me off. No, but that's that was the that was part of the experience of going to the theater. Correct. There would always be an interlude at the beginning that was just the movie score. It would take you in. They would allow people to get to their seats and sit down. They would sit down. They would they watch it, and then the same thing comes up in the intermission, right? So Correct. this was again a typical for 1968 Hollywood film where everything is just so elongated and bloated. Did you see Hateful Eight in theaters, Kev? Uh, no, I didn't actually. It's the only Tarantino I didn't. That had something that had an, a musical interlude at the beginning and one at the intermission. So very cool that they incorporated that. Extremely unnerving, like extremely unnerving in the way that it makes you feel. Um, I get why they did that. And I, I think it makes sense. Right. And you mentioned the intermission. The fact that the movie had an intermission was <laughs> was pretty uh, insane for me. Um can't believe it's from 68 again as you mentioned kevin like those visuals are unbelievable oh yeah and and not Um, even just the models like even the way they're walking around the space station right as it's spinning like that it's it's incredibly done it's brilliant well in the way that it's shot like the way that it's captured and even like the camera tricks that they use you know you mentioned of them like walking around and i'm like oh like it took me a solid few minutes to like kind of realize in my brain like oh they're actually just spinning the camera around they're right. they're not actually walking upside obviously but like the the tricks that they used were so smart and so well the movie is so well shot not just visually but with with what they do with the camera even just um, even just in those particular scenes you can see where nolan got the inspiration yes. for like the the hallway fight in um inception and and mm-hmm. things like that for sure and and i think like the just, just, I think the only, I think the biggest thing for me, because I actually, I, I somewhat enjoyed watching this movie. I did, I did, I think a lot of it, like, I, I'm, I'm watching it in my house alone in the dark with headphones on. And so a lot of those moments, I literally had to just like pause it and take my headphones off, turn on the lights and walk around for a few minutes and just look at my phone or do something because a lot of those moments, they don't, they just don't let you pause for any moment it's just there's there's there are moments of slowness correct but i'm talking about like the the 20 minutes of like um of him like breathing in space like that 
I don't know. For me, it, it it got to me. It made me feel extremely uncomfortable, and and I I I felt a lot of the the horror elements of this movie. And I do think this is a horror movie. At the end of the day, no, oh, I do. it's not a horror I, movie. I, I mean, I, no. it's supposed to be, but like. I didn't find Hal scary. He was no, just it's, boring. It's, it's it's unnerving. Uh, yeah, but not because of what's happening. Just because he's like doing things to annoy you and make you unner- like. And that's again not filmed me. That's like an art project. Yeah. What did you think of the end? Well, after the fifteen minutes of flying through a kaleidoscope, like okay, yeah. I get it. Okay, cool. Okay, let's get into the monolith. Let's go. Oh. I'm not going to say a positive thing about this, so I don't... <laughs> I thought the ending was... It has the right amount of ambiguity to it where you can leave your own impressions. Like, I think an ending like that is made to leave you thinking. Um, I think it's 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 very much a reborn out of enlightenment sort of ending. Uh, the monolith is seen as, as, a, as a means of communication and always appears as man is evolving uh we saw it at the very beginning with with the apes and then we saw it obviously in the middle when they discovered it and then going all the way to to jupiter um and where we end up in this french 18th century neoclassic sort of decor uh, which actually does hint at uh the revolution that that aesthetic of what that room was um it, it was basically uh it embodied how uh the alien uh wanted mankind to move to more of an enlightened being almost to come back as almost like a a new age christ figure because it was a it was a rebirth he died you literally mm-hmm. saw his life and he died and then he ended up floating back towards earth as something new um the cycle of life essentially well, thank so. you for for breaking that down for me in in a uh considerable amount of time because to kevin's point of this being an art project i couldn't find an explainer video shorter than like 45 minutes to an hour on youtube for the end of this movie i think like again there's so many people that have written about this and 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 have discussed it in great detail but i think the main thing is to kevin's point and, and what we're all kind of you know we keep repeating is that this was an art film this was more of a a bridge of production with art film if you will yeah, I just I just found that I didn't care what anything maybe meant because it just took so long to get to all these places. You know, like it's 15 minutes of monkeys smashing in puddles. And it's like, what does that mean? And then it's, you know, 10 minutes of flying through the kaleidoscope. And then it's 15 minutes of just silence as he's watching his older self in that room. It's just like, it, it was just so much stalling and, and hanging on these moments. And it was just, I don't care what it means. Just move yeah. on. That's but that's just the impression I got out of it. I just did not care. This is a visual movie. Like there is, to your point, there's no dialogue. There's no, there's nothing that's meant to move it. The visuals are meant to move it. It's, it's about putting the viewer in a place of, of just seeing and experiencing rather than being told based on the screen and based on the writing. Right. And, and like, I, I guess, like, you know, I, I can see how they're trying to, he's trying to establish that in those moments. But then mm-hmm. the one guy's out doing the spacewalk, I guess Hal disconnects him. He goes flying. And, and it was just so quickly done and, and poorly edited in that one moment that you could barely tell. I had to look up what happened. Just because I was like, what just happened to that guy? Oh, the editing on that scene was choppy. It was bad. I agree. So you spend 15 yeah. minutes showing me nothing and stalling, yeah. and then two seconds to show a critical point where Hal turns on them. You know, it just, there wasn't enough explanation, and then there was too much. Right. And and I think the other thing, too, is that that scene, that's actually a great scene to reference when that moment happens. And it was such a jarring sort of weird cut sequence that we, as like people who have now seen obviously far better cut films 
it's very apparent that that was like and and to think in 1968 that is how tension and moments were were conveyed in 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 the editing and it just it doesn't land as well there again outstanding moments but i I think overall pacing this film just was just just did not did not withstand with with this time yeah you hit the nail on the head i don't want to i don't want to detract from the movie we're talking about too much but it's like i found in uh like a movie like alien and there's so many moments that are supposed to be full of tension and pivotal horror moments and they're edited in such a way that it doesn't resonate with me because like you said i'm used to things being done so much more clearly and so much more you know so much better you know and i and i think it's you know uh, a lack of means to have done so with special effects and everything that's maybe hinder certain scenes you know like they're 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 they don't have cgi to rely on where you can see the hose detach and him go flying and stuff it was just like this is the only way we can shoot this so here it is and and you right. lose the meaning and the importance of those things, I think, a lot. I do think that from this film, you can recall, obviously, every other sci-fi movie that we've ever seen that, A, has has referenced this, has incorporated mm. elements of it, um, and also uh, kind of did it better. You call, called out Alien, Kevin. You know, that breathing sequence that Nate was referencing before, it reminded me of Aliens and, and some of the tense moments. And even Gravity. Gravity had more had 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 that realized realization of the tension. Like that's how I think this film is. It is it is like a uh, uh, an unnerving experience in space, something that you know, this was before the moon landing. Therefore, this is this is the audience's first interpretation of what it's like to space travel or to go to space, right? Mm. Like, you know, in a more realistic, authentic manner. Did you see all the branding though? Like the the Hilton, the Howard Johnsons, the IBM. Like it was this idea of how the future that we were current, like that was currently being built in 1968, was influencing the future of 2001, right? So, like, it, it was cool. Some cool, interesting sort of elements that he placed they placed in it, but you know nolan's interstellar is his you know 2001 a space mm. i will take i will take bookcase over, i will yeah. take a bookcase <laughs> yeah. in space over that crap any day yeah. of the week man no I, I again again someone that that took what kubrick did really really well and did it better yeah for, i'll take bookcases over floating fetuses any day of the week <laughs> thank you yeah uh, well, uh, you know, it was it was my you know my movie, so to speak. So I'll I'll give my final thoughts first here. Um, obviously, I just did not enjoy the the the, wa- the movie watching experience at all. Uh, I think it is it was absolutely uh, deserving of the Oscar it won for uh, special effects. Um, I think they they absolutely. You know, George Lucas gets a lot of credit for for what he did with special effects, but this one was, you know, eight years earlier and and did some really, really impressive things and paved the way for it. So my hat's off to to what they achieved uh, visually. Um, But, you know, put that on a projector in some in some art show. And that's where that sort of me you know visual storytelling belongs in my opinion that's not a movie i want to sit in a theater for two hours and watch and i can't imagine that there were people i just can't imagine people went into that movie that's what they saw and they left satisfied i don't know uh i did not enjoy it at all i would never watch that again Uh, you couldn't pay me enough money um i'm gonna give this 200 out of 2001 Kevin, can I, ask you, can I ask you one question? Absolutely, ask away. And it's impossible for you to answer, but if you had never seen visuals like this before, 
you don't think this movie would satisfy you if you had never seen Star Wars? Um, if you had never seen Interstellar, like all these movies that no, came because, from it? No, because the visuals were impressive. So, like, of course I would have been... In, I'm, I'm enamored how many years later? What are we talking now? 52 years later. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm blown away by the visuals. But the, the, the movie experience itself, the writing, the lack of dialogue, the, the incoherent story, the it just bored me to tears, and I can't imagine it would have been any different 52 years ago. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. That, just, yeah. that is not a movie for me. That was not made for me as a film goer, that's for sure. Yeah, so, Kevin, I mean, overall, this movie was incredible looking. Uh, the, <laughs> <laughs> the cinematography, the way the camera angles were used to emulate um, the aspects of shifting gravity, like, it was outstanding for, for the time that it was made, uh, as we've said. Again, very simple story. It was so much lighter than I thought it, it you know, it, it would be, and it's that's actually refreshing for a sci-fi movie, because a lot of sci-fi movies over-explain, and they build out a universe, and they, they hold your hand, and this movie um, did the opposite of that, and I thought that was actually pretty cool. I, I did think that the, the pace was bold at first. At first, I was like, wow, they're really committing to this, and then it just became became very, very, very grating. Um, and so I understand how they wanted, you know, Kubrick wanted realism in this sense, but very similar to a lot of the complaints that people have with Red Dead Redemption 2 in how long it can take to do certain things in that game. It it did, that's kind of where I, I made that connection there for, for how I started to feel about how long things were taking. Just cut it earlier. I'm, there's got to be a cut of this movie out there on the internet that's probably much more accessible. Um, and, you know, remove the reality in which how long it takes for someone to travel through through space. And and I think it becomes a much more enjoyable movie. Um, two things before I give my rating. Number one, the music was, I th- actually think was really fantastic. Um, it reminded me a lot of the music from Midsommar, um, which is just, it's so... You know, we talked about soundtracks in probably one of my favorite episodes of our podcast, and the the music from Midsommar and this film, I think, are unbelievable um, to make you have a, a that a feeling that just feels awful uh, in the best way possible, if that makes sense. Um, and then lastly, um, on the Mac, there's a voice that you can do with uh, voiceover um, that will sing Daisy, and it's extremely creepy. Now that I know what that's from. Oh, that's, uh, that's, yeah. that's old school. There used to be, remember that purple gorilla that you used to get on the computer? <laughs> oh, and what was it? Bonsai Buddy? There you go. And he'd do like a daisy, daisy. Yeah. But I mean, even that scene took 10 minutes longer than it. Just yeah. die already. Just die already. <laughs> um, but overall, overall, like, um, I'll give it a 700 out of 2001 for sure. Yeah, it was, uh, I think I enjoyed how uncomfortable the music made me feel, but Overall, I appreciate this movie more than I like it. Yeah, I think I'm on the same page, Nate. Like having having not seen anything, would you still have the same sort of impression? I think the reality is is that there were very entertaining, very narrative driven uh, films yep. that were out at that time. So if you had already experienced that, and that was your impression of films, still going to see 2001: Space Odyssey, it could be a bore for you. It would be a bore. Yeah. Not that's not to say though you wouldn't be captivated by the visuals. And I was captivated by the visuals and just thinking how ahead of everything it was. This was before Star Wars. So many of our the filmmakers in the in the in the genres that we love are have have connected to what. Stanley Kubrick was trying to do. He was trying to do a very visual narrative, essentially. It was yeah. a visual narrative. Um, 
the ambiguity around the ending, the the idea that it didn't have closure, I, I do agree with you, Nate. The fact that it didn't hold your hand and try to give you a lot of explanation, uh, very much like you know, in Interstellar, that's that's what Nolan was trying to do is give it the science and give it the explanation, which I think muddled and it's harder to follow at times, right? Like in terms of of how it made sense. But that being said, you know, it is it is the establishing film as as a as a space voyage space epic um so i think I, I would give this probably a 600 out of 2001 yeah. nice uh, all right well uh why don't we quickly go around the the circle here and uh rank the movies all right so worst movie that we watched i think was 2001 a space odyssey uh in the middle for me is oceans 11 and at the top for me is shawshank redemption it's just such a it's it just that whole movie i just i i felt the feelings all over again and i'm i guess i'm a sucker for for that kind of uh those kind of emotions and those kind of stories oh yeah how many times did you cry oh at least three at least (laughs) oh brutal yeah Yeah. wow brutal all right well just (laughs) well i think it goes goes without saying It, it would definitely go 2001 the least uh shawshank second and Ocean's Eleven, man. Like, even though I've seen that movie so many times, I love that film. I think it it's just, it's, I don't know. It's one of my favorites, for sure. I think I would put it in, like, a top ten, top five kind of realm. I know that's of all time. a big gap. But yeah, no, it, yeah, of all time, I think sure. it, it, wow. I think it might crack my top ten, too. Uh, if I were going to rank them, uh, it'd be tough to do Shawshank versus Ocean's. Uh, so I'll say Shawshank's the best of the three. Ocean's is far and away the most enjoyable of the three. Hmm. And um, never has a movie filled me with such vitriol and hatred. I th- I think I'd rather watch five very scary horror movies before I ever. That's that is a horror movie of a whole different breed. Two thousand one. That is that made me scared and upset for all the wrong reasons. All right, guys. Well, that is it. We have restored the faith of the geek center community. <laughs> and proven ourselves as the film buffs we all like to think we are. Well, probably not, uh, but this episode was a start. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Uh, just a reminder, five stars is the absolute lowest rating you can give us. Would we lie to you? Uh, we are Geekcentric, and you can be too, uh, which means you can also check us out on YouTube at youtube.com geekcentric. Uh, we're thrilled to announce that we just hit the 30,000 subscribers mark. Uh, so the Geekcentric family is growing every day, and we are inching ever closer to that next big milestone of 50,000 followers. Thank you. So please, please, please help us out. Make sure to recommend uh, not just this podcast, but the YouTube channel to friends, family uh, that you think might get a kick out of what we do. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at GeekcentricYT. And follow us on Instagram at WeAreGeekCentric. Uh, and also, don't forget, you can catch Nate's live gaming stream every Tuesday and Thursday night at 8 p.m. at twitch.tv slash NatePlaysGames. Go say hi, hang out, watch him play some games. Nate, what are you up to? You still doing the Animal Crossing? Uh, this is us, right? Uh, house, house renewal? Yeah, no, I've, uh, that's taken a bit of a break, um, but we are going to be... Uh, completing our Last of Us campaign. Last of Us, um, yes. Yeah, so the Last of Us campaign. And this is us. <laughs> this is us. That's a, that's a TV show. Um, yeah, no, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be finishing uh, the Last of Us campaign probably. Uh, by the time you listen to this, it might already be done, but don't worry. Um, I might also be jumping into the DLC. And then uh, I think we were even just talking just earlier that 
Um, I'm going to see if I can get the, maybe not in, not immediately right away day one, because I want to give people a chance to play it, um, but Last of Us 2 uh, is going to be out very soon, and so I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to kind of maybe dive into that on stream, so we'll have to wait and see. Awesome. That's going to be some scary, scary fun times. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, well, it's going to be good. Justin, Nate, thank you so much for joining me for today's episode, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. That yeah. was a lot of fun. Um, Dan, it's good to be back. Next week, Justin is hosting us, and I am very excited to see Ooh. what uh, what uh, maybe game or task or, or, or whatever he's got in store for us. So definitely tune in to check <laughs> out what he's got up his sleeve. Uh, oh, yes. But until next time, as we always say... Love ya. Stay home safe, guys. Peace.